What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackleb, and it is Monday, June 21st. We roll on with our team preview series today. Of course, we're talking about the Denver Broncos. A very interesting team indeed with a big question mark at quarterback. Who's going to be under center? If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. So we'll talk about that and all this exciting young talent in just a minute. But just a reminder, we do have this contest going on. If you want a free rant t-shirt, I like free. I'm cheap. I like free. If you want a free rant t-shirt, all you have to do to be entered into win one, potentially, is review the show on iTunes and rate it. And in your review, just leave your Twitter handle. I've seen a couple folks uh, already getting these in, so greatly appreciate that. We'll, we'll wrap this up in July, so you still got a little bit of time, but hey, earlier the better. It helps me out, and it could ultimately help you out getting one of these t-shirts. And if you don't want to wait, just head on over to sawdustpods.com, and you can uh, go check out the merch store over there. There's a a bunch of cool t-shirts, including stuff from uh, some of the other shows that we do as well. But uh, anyway, let's dive into the Denver Broncos. And as I mentioned, you have two quarterbacks here. You have Drew Locke, who so far... In his short NFL career, really hasn't taken a step forward. And I don't know if the team is willing to wait for him to take a step forward because, of of course, they already traded for Teddy Bridgewater. I think we know what we get with Teddy Bridgewater. We get, um, you know, relatively high floor, but about as low a ceiling as you could possibly get uh, with a starting level quarterback in the NFL. So you really cap your upside there. But he is, true to his name, a a bridge-type quarterback. Now, is that a bridge to next year when you put yourself maybe in play to to draft a quarterback? Is it a bridge to a trade? And no, I am not talking about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is either going to play for the Packers or he's not going to play. Those are the options. The Packers are not trading him. That would be asinine to trade the reigning MVP for the Packers. And they're not an asinine organization. They're not going to trade him. Aaron Rodgers is either going to retire, hold out, but hold out means you, you're you fine, so you might, you might as well retire. Or he's going to play, and I think he's ultimately going to play. The player I'm referring to is Deshaun Watson, who his situation is still very much up in the air as well. But we could, we could definitely see this team making a power play for Watson. Now, Watson, of course, has the question mark of will he be placed on commissioner's exempt this year, which could very well happen, or could he be suspended? The likelihood of a suspension this year is pretty low because he he's not even scheduled to be deposed until after the Super Bowl, so after the entire season wraps up. So I don't think a suspension would happen, but commissioner's exempt very well could happen. So anyway, throwing that out there, Honestly, you know, from an upside standpoint, maybe Locke is better for this team as a whole, but, you know, from a stability standpoint, maybe it's Bridgewater. It's a mess either way. Neither one is appealing. And neither one even really is a two quarterback target for me because, you know, with that third quarterback spot, which is where these guys would slide in, I'm looking elsewhere. I'm looking for higher ceiling. Like, heck, I, I could make an argument for Terod Taylor over those guys. Uh, as your third quarterback, not certainly your second quarterback. But, you know, I want to get some juice with my third quarterback in that type of format. And I think Terod Taylor gives you a little bit more juice, not with his arm, but certainly with his legs. Anyway, 
Let's talk about these wideouts, though, because this is a sexy group of wideouts. You have Cortland Sutton coming back from the injury. You have Jerry Judy, who really started to flourish once they finally stopped using him as a slot receiver, a short and intermediate. Once they started targeting him a little bit downfield last year, he started to flourish. That's where Locke would be more beneficial, by the way. And then you have KJ Hamler, who stop if you've stop me if you've heard this one before, but he's hurt. <laughs> he always seems to be hurt. He's exciting when he's on the field, though, and I think that's a really appealing trio of wideouts. I mean, he's very young, still unproven, but a lot of juice with these guys. If you have to have one of them, it is Cortland Sutton. He's a true X receiver who is really taking a step forward. Last year was supposed to be that making the leap year, so perhaps it's this year. Projects out as a wide receiver three for me, though, and in part that is due to the quarterback situation capping his his ultimate upside but he's still very appealing there especially with his uh, his uh, his uh, ability in the red zone that's really where I love Cortland Sutton seven projected touchdowns 991 and 63 catches wide receiver 27 Judy wide receiver 40 but I you know he's a player who ha- certainly has the ceiling to outplay that spot the challenge of course with Jerry Judy is the quarterbacks also a little bit of a challenge in that you do have a tight end in Noah Fant who's going to eat up a bunch of your targets. So, you know, that's kind of where we are with that. But again, if I'm going to target for high ceiling in fantasy football drafts, which is exactly what I think we should be doing, go after the ceiling. Don't go after safe. You don't want to safely finish fourth or third in your in your fantasy leagues, right? You want to go after it. You want to win the darn league. You want to ship the thing. So you do so with the highest possible ceiling. Cortland Sutton gives you a high ceiling. Jerry Judy gives you a high ceiling. Now, a little bit of a cap, like I said, especially if Bridgewater gets the job. But regardless, they have that juice that I'm going after. Now, Hamler, he just doesn't have enough volume, projected volume for me to to go after him because I do think we're going to still see plenty of Tim Patrick. We could see some of rookie Seth Williams, who's another. Seth Williams kind of reminds me a little bit of Sutton. Not exactly the same player, but I could see like, you know, teams have types. They go after certain types of players. So I could see that with Seth Williams, but you know, he's just a deep dynasty stash at this point. I really think, you know, the presence of Tim Patrick and and how well he played last year though does, you know, hurt a little bit of the outlook for KJ Hamler cuz he's going to get mixed in. Now, I mentioned the tight ends, and this is a really intriguing tight end group because you have Noah Fant, but you also have Alberto, okay? And this dude's pretty darn athletic. So let's talk about that here coming up in a minute. Let's talk about Noah Fant and his outlook, and we'll talk a little bit about Albert O and if there's any appeal there for dynasty purposes. So we'll do that here right after the break. Okay, so Noah Fant obviously came into the league first round pick along with his teammate, two tight ends from the same team. I still it still blows my mind as first round picks there. And second year for Noah Fant, certainly better than the first. He flashed a little bit of upside in his first season, caught 40 balls, which is not I don't think we should take that lightly. Like we shouldn't downplay that. In his rookie year, 40 for 562 and three touchdowns. Last year, 62 balls, had 93 targets. I think that target number goes down a little bit, unfortunately, just because of all the mouths to feed. But still, 93 targets, 62 catches, 673, and three touchdowns. 
the touchdown number is always going to be an issue with tight ends. It is. You know, the Robert Tunyon type season like we saw last year, that's an anomaly. It's not the norm. So it would always be a little bit of a problem. But what you you have to love about Noah Fant is that ability to run after catch, the supreme athleticism. You know, this isn't a generation of tight ends that are converted basketball players. This is a generation of tight ends who are built like basketball players, are as athletic as basketball players, like smooth on the field, but they grew up playing football. You know, that's that's the cool thing about these guys. So Fant has that juice. Now, I have him right in the same range as last year. You know, I have him uh, actually almost spot on in terms of efficiency, uh, but I do have him with one more touchdown. So right now, projected 62 catches. Uh, we're for 650 and four touchdowns. That puts him in the top 10. And that does put him a tick ahead of three for 32. If you're new to this podcast, if you're new to the concept of three for 32, that is a tight end who that's that's their weekly line. Three catches, 32 yards, right? And it may not sound like a lot, but that's a kind of normal line for a lot of tight ends. It's 51 catches on, on the season would have been 48 in a uh, in a 16 game season, and it puts you at 544 receiving yards. So he's ahead of that, which is good, but we're still touchdown dependent. You know, in terms of the big weeks, it's rare for a guy, even with no offense, um, juice upside, for him to put up like a like an eight for a hundred week, like a Kelsey week. It's just rare. And we have to realize that if you're drafting in this range, you know, every year it feels like we get into the fantasy football draft season and there's, there's this appeal with tight ends, like guys in Noah Fant's range. And then we get into the season and we're like, oh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's three for 32 plus. That's all it really is. Tight end is not deep enough, unfortunately. So there's some appeal to Fant, but you just have to realize, A, there's a lot of mouths to feed. B, he's going to be capped by quarterback situation. And, you know, just know that, okay, he's probably going to be like a four for 44 type guy. That's what he is. And that's not bad, but it's not going to win you any leagues. But it could keep you pace at the position. Now, Albert O is interesting, though, too. And that's part of the challenge here. So I have 90 targets going to Noah Fan. I actually have 31 going to Albert O. He's not, 31 is not even two per game. But those are targets that don't go to Noah Fant at the position. And I, I, we all know this is going to happen. I call this getting gesickied. We've had this experience where your tight end, it looks like they scored a touchdown, right? You're watching the game. The Broncos get in the end zone. It's the tight end who obviously caught the touchdown. So you're like, Noah Fant! And then you go, oh, no, it was Alberto. It was the other guy. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. I have it happening twice. <laughs> Two touchdowns for Alberto. But still an interesting hold in Dynasty. Uh, you know, there's a chance we could see some 12 personnel out of them, but they really are kind of built more for 11 personnel as long as Hamler is healthy. But there's some appeal there. Now, the biggest question, perhaps, besides the quarterback situation here, is it running back? Because this team did move up to take a running back in the beginning of the second round in Javante Williams. Out of North Carolina, some had suggested maybe even a first-round talent. Some had suggested not really a gap between Javante Williams and the other top two running backs, Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. So they took him. 
you don't take a running back who you trade up for on day two in today's NFL without the plan to put that running back on the field. So he is going to get on the field. However, they do have an incumbent running running back in Melvin Gordon. So here's what I think is going to happen. And they also, by the way, have Mike Boone and Royce Freeman still on this roster. What I think is ultimately, we're going to see Melvin Gordon start the season out as the lead back. Now, lead not 80-20 split, probably more like a 60-40 split, to be honest with you. 65-35, something like that. And I don't care who's the starter, by the way. Starter, whoever's on the field for the first play, that's the starter. That doesn't mean anything to me. It's who touches the ball the most. And I do think it's initially going to be Melvin Gordon. And you know why I think that? Because we see this every stinking year. Every year. Every year with rookie running backs. If there's a veteran in place, the veteran tends to touch the ball more early in the season. And then gradually as the season wears on, the rookie asserts himself. The rookie asserts himself in late October, early November, and then takes over in mid-November and potentially is a game-winning or a league-winning, not even game-winning, league-winning running back by the end of the season. That's Javante Williams this year. Now, the challenge with that is that we know right now, hey, we talk about the whole season. It's easy to talk about the whole season. Easy to see the whole season. When we get in the season, when we're in like week four and it's still Melvin Gordon as the lead back, People are not going to think about the big picture any longer with Javante Williams. They're going to get frustrated. I see this time and in, time out with uh, with beginning-level players and even intermediate-level players where they get frustrated and they either uh, just cut the guy outright or they uh, trade him away. If that's the case for you this year, be patient because Javante Williams, it may take some time, but he does have the look of a league-winning type running back. So just remember that with Javante Williams. All right, that wraps things up for today's podcast. Up next, we'll talk Detroit Lions. Another interesting backfield there for sure with uh, Anthony Lynn. Are you going to screw this up for us? Anyway, we'll talk about that. At Jeff Radcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Radcliffe on Instagram, hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you are a listener of the podcast. All right, I will catch you on the flip side for another edition of the show. I'm Jeff Radcliffe, and I'm out of here.